0: Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journeywomen. Welcome to the journey Women podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Bielis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way on the journey women podcast we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify god on this episode of the journey women podcast i had the privilege of chatting with my friend and former mentor matt lance matt is a husband father and pastor who lives in fort worth texas with his wife and three children He's a graduate of TCU in Dallas Theological Seminary and has been working in full-time ministry preparing the way for the Lord Jesus and the lives of men and women. Matt was the founding director of a discipleship program that I was actually a part of called The Forge through Pine Cove Christian Camps, where he spent 12 years helping shape young men and women and helping them learn their identity and learn how to steward it well. He's recently moved on from The Forge and is now serving as the recruitment and development pastor at Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Our conversation reminded me of the things that I learned during my time in the Forge program about identity and how we live out our God-given design. I hope you guys find it as encouraging and inspiring as I did. You're the first guy on the Journey Women podcast.
1: I know. I hope I'm not (laughs) uh, scaring anybody away at this point.
0: (laughs) It's so appropriate, though, because I honestly don't know if I would have this podcast if it weren't for you.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, I don't know about that. I think you've done pretty well. Uh, Hunter, you're you're. I've been listening uh, these past several weeks, and it's just been really kind of cool to hear the wisdom that's been offered. I think it's it's really been kind of cool. It goes beyond just women. That i it's been really neat. So I've been really I've been really blessed by it.
0: Oh, thank you. It's been so funny because I have obviously had at this point an unspeakable number of Pine Cove interviewees on the show, <laughs> and you're another to add to the list. Which. Man, I'm just laughing because I'm thinking everyone probably thinks Pine Cove sponsors me and they actually don't.
1: I always think that Pine Cove is a little bit like a grand central station of uh, Christianity. You know, Uh, a lot of people come and go through that place. It's a place that's uh, very influential for the kingdom. Some people come and speak for a week and they're gone. Some people come and stay and they work for a long time. But uh, Pine Cove, God continues to give Pine Cove a tremendous influence in the lives of people everywhere. It's just been really neat to see that.
0: Absolutely. And I am so thankful for it, because it connected many people like you. And I don't know if you remember this, but for some context, I actually met Matt through Pine Cove, where I had the privilege of participating in his summer Bible study. And Uh, Matt, the very first time that I sat in your study, I had no clue who you were. His camp name was Dino Light. I was like, who is this Dino Light? (laughs) I had never been to Pine Cove. And I think it was a Wednesday night. And I remember thinking after I left that hour-long study, that I learned more in one hour than I would learned in an entire semester of sitting in like Bible studies in college.
1: Oh, dear. Yes. <laughs> very, it's very kind of you to say that.
0: No, it, it, it left a huge impact, and my mind was 100% blown by those tough questions that you asked at the end. Do you remember those?
1: Oh, I do. I, I do.
2: Yes. So,
0: anyways... It was in that moment, and I actually connected with one of the other former Forge students, which is the discipleship program that you used to lead. You founded and led at Pine Cove. Indeed. It's an eight-month discipleship program, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. Okay. Brooks and I met through that program, but I connected with Chicky. Rebecca. Remember Rebecca Mm, Burris? I sure do. Yes. And so I connected with her that summer and that was kind of the foundation for like, okay, I at least want to apply to the forge at some point. So anyways, then I ended up going through the forge and you became my mentor for eight months. And I was able to learn from you in a wide variety of contexts, including Israel, which was incredibly life changing. And just to give context, I just want everyone to know you spent like 12 years helping young men and women like myself learn their identity and learn how to steward it well through this program so thank you for coming on the show to talk to us about identity you are truly my expert in this realm
1: <laughs> you're welcome it's my pleasure and uh, gosh i i feel like I, I you're so kind to say all those things i feel like i learned just as much if not more from being with you guys than uh that you than you guys had I, it's harder for you to see that i'm sure but uh it's been uh, it's been one of the great joys of my life to be the forge director, and then to have friends like you and Brooks and uh, so many um, that uh, we get to you know you're not my student anymore. We're friends, and that's yes. um, I think that's kind of one of the coolest parts of it. So
0: I kind of miss being your student, though. So I'm happy that I get to do that again tonight via the Journey Women podcast.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, show me what you got. Let's do this. Well,
0: I'd love for listeners just to get to hear about where you're at now because we're kind of catching you in the midst of a transition, right?
1: Oh, very much so. Yes.
0: Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now.
1: Well, as you mentioned, I I was the forge director for 12 years there at Pine Cove. Uh, I had a great experience there and uh, God's called us now where we've transitioned out to Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm coming on staff just about six weeks ago with a church in Fort Worth called Christ Chapel Bible Church, and, uh, in a fairly unique role. I'm, I'm the recruitment and development pastor, so uh, my, my new job is a, is a new job uh, for me, but it's also a new job for the church, and I would say for the church at large, most churches don't have pastors of recruitment and development.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. I've never heard that term before. What does that mean?
1: It is. So there's kind of two facets to it or three, I guess. I'm, the church is growing a lot and um, it's, it's a great, it's a healthy church. We're really excited to be there. And so we're needing lots of people to come work. And, and so they brought mm-hmm. me on board to kind of help network with organizations and ministries and churches to help um, build a bench, so to speak, to kind of be able to have people when we're ready to hire and then basically make sure that the interview process goes really well, the onboarding process goes really well. And then once they're on staff, that they are spiritually healthy, that they're developed as pastors in the church. And so
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah, I never really thought about this as a job for me, but um, as I thought about the skill set that I built while doing the Forge, this seemed like a really, uh, really neat fit. I, I helped college students learn their, learn their identity and, and launch them into the, into the world. And here I'm basically understanding people's giftings and then bringing them in to opportunities in, in God's church. So it's a, it's a really unique opportunity. We're still kind of figuring out uh, what it looks like, but, uh, it's, it's really cool. So we're all, you know, we haven't moved into our house yet. We're living, this is very millennial of me. I've moved in with my (laughs) in-laws. So we're living in, uh, we're living with uh, my wife's family for a few months until our house is built. And, um, It's just been a it's been a little bit of crazy ride these past few months, but uh, we'll get there soon.
0: Yes, this is going to resonate with so many listeners. I have a heavy army demographic per our lifestyle. Yes, lots and lots and lots of people in transition, probably even as they're listening. So
1: I need to get their advice then because this is throwing me for a loop.
0: (laughs) We will have a podcast on that soon. I will tune in. Yes, this is one of the most foundational podcasts. And honestly, if I could rewind this whole train, I would have the gospel first and I would have identity closely thereafter. Mm. And I wish I could. But here we are now, and I'm trusting that God is sovereign even over the timing of this. And you have played such a huge role in helping me understand who I am and how God has uniquely designed me and how I can serve him out of those giftings that he's given me. And I'd love just to start there and just talk about what is identity. We had a show a couple weeks ago with Amanda Wilson on fitness and she mentioned Mm -hmm. knowing our identity. And I had a couple listeners asking, what is identity? So Mm -hmm. do you have like a basic definition of identity?
1: Yeah. The way I, I tend to describe it is identity is declaration that defines being. It has two components, design and direction. Hmm. So it's a declaration that defines being that indicates design and direction. So you you might, other people might say form and function or Mm
2: -hmm.
1: what something is and then what something is designed to do. So even if you, if you talk about like a hammer, let's say, for example, um, you know, it has a design, a specific way that it is shaped and uh, made uh, different materials. You don't make a hammer out of a sponge Um, and then it also has a direction because of its design. Right. So that's something that the designer, whether by word or by acting upon, um, has made a declaration as to what that thing is. And for humanity, for humanity, that's what being is, in my opinion.
0: Hmm. So like if you're a hammer, you were intended to do specific hammer type things.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, a lot of us are, you know, God designed a lot of us to be hammers and we're surrounded by a bunch of people who are saws yeah. and we're trying to cut wood in half and we're terrible at it and we're making a huge mess and everybody else is frustrated <laughs> with us. We're not satisfied and it just doesn't work. Um, yeah, And that's why I feel like identity is a really important thing, especially for young men and women, you know, college age, college graduates to, to really, to really understand and, um, and walk in because it's it's really formative
0: oh absolutely and i'd never really even thought about it until doing the forge which is so interesting because mm-hmm. like you said it is so formative and it is such a i mean it's it's foundational mm-hmm. we'll get more to that why you think that might be that we don't really i don't know think about it that we just mm-hmm. are and we don't think about how it is that we're designed and why it is that we are the way that we are but what is it that influences our identity if we're not thinking about it intentionally? Or if you're like me and you've never really mm-hmm. thought about it before until I went to this program, what is it that actually helps to shape it?
1: Well, I think I, I think initially I'm tempted to say that depends. It depends on. Um, I might get a little preachy on this, Hunter. You might have Go. to forgive me for a second. Uh, <laughs> uh, Soapbox. How long do we have for this? We got an hour. Okay. If I
0: only need two questions, that's all we got to go for. All right,
1: well, I'll, I'll try to keep this as brief as I can. So my initial my initial thought is to say, well, it depends. What uh-huh. influences our identity? It depends on what you believe about humanity, okay? Like what it is, where it comes from. It depends on your right. anthropology, but it really doesn't depend on what I believe about what a human is or not. Um, I'm a human whether I believe it or not, you know? I. I I'm talking to you right now, even if I don't believe I'm on the journey woman podcast. It's, you know, there are some things that are, uh, matters of fact. And a lot of times we have a hard time believing those things. Um, we, in fact, we'd even believe the lie rather than believe the fact. Uh, and that's why the other thing I feel like I need to say about identity is that identity isn't a matter of opinion.
2: Hmm.
1: It's a matter of fact. Uh, it's a declaration that defines being now the big question becomes who gets to make the declaration Hmm. and that's where all the issues revolve who has the authority to declare identity Um, I think everybody uh, regardless of any distinction would affirm that identity is a declaration yeah I think everybody would affirm that it's a matter of fact Where I think the disagreement begins to emerge is who has the authority. There are two choices we have on who has the authority. Either we are handmade creations of God himself, Mm -hmm. the God of the Bible. Right. Or we are whatever we say. Right. And so let's talk about the latter here for a second. We are, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep this real brief. Go for it. The world we live in right now is a world that rejects authority. Yeah. First, you know, you go back to the 60s, we rejected traditionalism. Then we rejected morality. Then we did away with religious authority.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And more recently, we've seen the beginnings of something very interesting, mm-hmm. where you have now men and women declaring yes. that they are not men or not women right. or that they're both or that they're none of the above. Now we see the rejection of science mm-hmm. as an authority, even about things like identity. And even with the election of our president, you've seen the chant, you know, the hashtag, not my president. We're also now beginning to see the rejection of political Authority, even the mm-hmm. backlash that we've seen with police officers, the rejection of yeah, the law yeah. and law enforcement. So it really is coming to the surface here that the only authority in life is, and the only trustworthy authority in life is me. Yeah. My opinion, my declaration. Oh. Um, and so I can declare that I'm a tree, and you can't argue <laughs> with me about it. Yes. No, I'm it is gonna, so true. I'm just going to branch out and leaf my old life behind.
0: <laughs> it's so true. And and, and you get, sh- you know, people are shamed if you make any kind of like firm proclamation about anything. Yeah. You know, it's like you can't have an opinion.
1: Do you remember the movie Back to the Future? I've never seen that movie. Oh. Okay. Is that like a date Everybody night movie? stop the podcast right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, it's it's a funny movie and you remember it's you know it's from the 80s and in the okay. movie there's a line you know the the dad says to the son, you know, son, you can be anything you want to be if you just set your mind to it. Yeah. That's an identity statement and it's a total lie.
0: And that's like everything. That's what you tell your kids. You know, that's like right. the end of a children's storybook.
1: I can't be LeBron James. If I want to be <laughs> LeBron James, if I set my mind to be LeBron James, I can't be him.
0: You're so right. Like I would never ever be a ballerina.
1: So what do we do in this kind of in this kind of sense where we are the only authority now what we do is we pick something that we see in ourselves that we want to make distinctive like mm-hmm. my sexuality for example right. we take a facet of identity mm-hmm. and elevate it to the ultimate defining characteristic of my identity and it was never designed to do that in the first place, yeah. So the other option we have then, in terms of what influences our identity, is God. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know how many of your listeners uh, are Christians or believe the Bible or read or whatever, but in the scriptures, um, there's a verse that you know I'm very fond of and, and rant about quite a bit, and it's Ephesians 2:10. And Ephesians 2:10 says, "For we are His workmanship." created in christ jesus for good works which he prepared beforehand for us that we should walk in them in that verse you get identity as something that is received not something that is achieved Mm -hmm. decided upon or if i just set my mind to it once i receive this identity I live it out by faith. The identity is received because I, as a human, have been acted upon by a creator God who who, he designed me for things he didn't design you for, Hunter. And Mm -hmm. he designed you for things he didn't design me for. And as we come together under the name of Jesus Christ together, each of our designs and our giftings complement each other. And so together as the body of Christ, we end up, functioning as if Jesus was still on the earth because Mm. we are we actually become his body it's almost like Jesus never left Mm. and instead of instead of if, if you if God designed you to be like a saw and he designed me to be like a hammer I don't have to compete with your identity you know we work together you saw the boards in half and then I nail them together there's no more competition, there's no more trying to elevate myself or make myself unique or trying to distinguish myself from every other human being, because I'm not trying to define myself. I have already been defined by a creator God who knows way more about life and identity than I do. And so being a follower of Jesus isn't just about going to heaven, it isn't just about doing you know, what the Bible says, it's also understanding that God didn't run me through, He didn't run me through a machine. He didn't crank me out. Yeah. He didn't mass produce us. We are His mm. handcrafted, unique creations. Each of us, and as a result, if we're handcrafted and unique, then we must have a function. If He's taken so much time with our form, then we have to have a function. And the question I love asking college students is, "Do you know what your function is?" Ugh. And most most don't because they've never thought about it.
0: Yeah. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. You know, for me, before The Forge, I had a different experience, I think, than some people. I was acting out of it, but I didn't really know that the way in which God had designed me was unique. I thought mm. everybody was like I was. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like Absolutely. So it's interesting because the way I think about it is so different than it was, you know, 10 years ago And I'd love to just hear from you. Is identity, you're saying that it's given to us by God, and yet Mm -hmm. is it something that's also shaped and developed over time?
1: Yeah. No, that's a great question. I would say it's a little bit of both on this one. I would say, yes, it's shaped and developed over time, but rarely are we the ones that get to determine what changes are made. Yes, we can. We can make. We can, and we can make minor changes. I would say, but predominantly, mm-hmm. I would say, at least in my life and the lives of, of those that I've been working with, they were things that people said to us. There were things that people did to us. There are things that we experienced, positive and negative. Those were the things that formed us. And I also have to think that in the midst of all of this, that that God is. You know, he allowed me to be in the United States instead of in Russia or, yeah. you know, some other place. And so there are some parts of God's handcrafting of me. Again, not an assembly line thing. Like I didn't I didn't come out of my mother's womb, you know, fully designed. like he in his yeah, magnificent yeah. sovereignty and his yeah. all knowingness, he has made it possible for my life, the experiences that I have, to shape me into the man he's designed. Mm-hmm. But from my perspective, designing me to be, you know, from my perspective, I'm still becoming the man that I'm designed to yeah. be, but from this yeah. perspective, I'm <laughs> complete, you know, <laughs> so it's, it's a very hard yes. question to answer when you think about it. Um, but I think I do think it's something that can be shaped and developed. But since predominantly, it's something we receive, I tend to emphasize more that identity is more of an issue of humility yeah. Uh, trust than it is an issue of method or technique. Yeah. Um are you willing to trust that God is a better designer of you than you are of yourself?
0: Oh <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> 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 okay, so if you're functioning like a saw, if that resonated with someone and they're sitting here thinking, Man, I'm trying to be a saw, and I don't even mm-hmm. necessarily know what I am. Or maybe I know I'm a hammer and I'm trying to be a saw.
2: Mm.
0: How do you determine when you're not functioning within your God-given design, and where do you go from there?
1: Mm. That's a good question. I think, as with most things in my life, when I get I, I get selfish and I get self-focused, <laughs> uh, and that turns that turns me inward on myself. Oh, that's like everyday um, for me over here constant (laughs) well little kids will do that for you yeah that happened to me just before I got on the phone call so we're in the same boat (laughs) Uh,
0: you're wrecking my plans
1: yes exactly um it I think that when I get turned inward on myself my friend had this phrase in college it makes me pervert my design it Mm. uh it makes it makes me queer like a base like a football bat Yeah, there's something that, you know, there's no such thing as a football bat, but I'm using my identity in a way that was never designed to be used, especially in the students that I've worked with over the past several years. It typically comes when people are using the things that they've been spiritually empowered Mm -hmm. to do for themselves. They're using their their God-given gifts and abilities to protect themselves, to assert themselves, to distinguish themselves, and they're not using it sacrificially. They're not using it in a way that blesses others. And that can get really tricky sometimes because sometimes people are very, very, very sacrificial with their time or with their money or with their energies but the reason they're sacrificial is because they want attention or because they yeah. want approval or you know those sorts of things. And so this is where I feel like um, having friends in your life that can come alongside you and can help you see this um, is really valuable. Whether that's you know, a lifelong friend or someone you trust, or even if it's something that you do in counseling, uh, I think having uh, that dialogue, somebody to help you kind of be transparent and um, help you learn to be a little bit reflective on some of the things that are going on in your life is really an asset. Mm-hmm. Not all of us have that uh, or have it as readily, but I think it's, it's well worth the time to find. And, and then when you detect that, when, when you realize that that's the case, then you have to ask yourself the question: If God's designed me this way, He's designed me this way for the church, for others.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How can I best do this for other people? Uh, and that's you have to begin with giving away your design um, mm. as the as the first place to start.
0: That's really really good, and I also love the piece about welcoming your brothers and sisters in to speak into when you may have put something as the foundation that shouldn't be there. Like you mentioned Mm in the beginning, sexuality, that is such a common one, Mm -hmm. a facet of our identity becoming the foundation. And that's not able to withstand the pressure. I mean, Mm. and we see that all around us. And so I'd love for you to just talk about, How we can move forward when we realize, and and maybe even talk about what are some different facets of identity that we might be tempted to place as the foundation for our identity. And Mm. if we realize that our foundation is unstable, how can we move forward from there towards building a stronger, more stable, and biblical foundation?
1: Okay, Um, that's a huge question. And if you'll forgive me, uh, we'll have a little office hour here for a second. It, it's got some <laughs> assumptions. It's got some assumptions that I'm not exactly comfortable with. Oh um, no. Uh, well, I, I just, here's the thing. Um, I, I really do believe that identities aren't built. Okay. I really, I really do believe that there's something that we receive. Yes. Um, so maybe if i tell me if I'm not answering your question the way that you're kind of you're kind of intending um, I'll, I'll give it a stab and then we can kind of circle back around again. Okay. Yes. This is good. Um, this is the forge. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if that's the case, if, if that's at least part of the, the issue with this question, if identities aren't built, if identity is received, believed, and then lived out. Mm. And I think in that order, um, if you've built an identity around anything, whether that's you know, your job or your spouse or your, you know, your popularity or your grades or your accomplishments, any of that stuff, um, if you've built an identity, you haven't built an identity. Yeah. You've built an idol.
0: hmm Yes.
1: What you've done and why, here's why we want to build identity because we want to know that we're Okay. We wanna know who we are. We wanna know that we're acceptable, that we're liked. We wanna know that we have it all together. We wanna know that we're not gonna mess up. We wanna know that we're gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. We wanna know that daddy's there and he's gonna take care of us. And you can't build that. What we do when we build our, when we build identity, which again, I don't think is possible, but when you build identity on money, let's say, Mm Or sexuality, let's say, or you know, anything. You're what you're doing is you're you're fashioning for yourself, much like Aaron does with the golden calf, you're you're taking all these things that you have at your disposal and you're creating something for yourself apart, separate from that which God has already provided for you in creating you. He has brought you out of Egypt. And he's taken you to the promised land, but you're at the base of the mountain, taking everything else yes. around you. Go, no, this is your God, and that's where I've, I really think the 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 mistake, even in a lot of Christian self introspection and um, identity talk, kind of tends to run a little sideways. Yeah. Now, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a I'm not a therapist. You know. I, so I, I granted, there are a lot of psychological <laughs> factors to all of this that I'm not going to talk about because I, I don't have that kind of expertise. My background is more theology and biblical study. So from that perspective, I think that every single one of us already right now, if you're listening to this right now and if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a strong and a stable mm. biblical, biblical foundation and you have it in spades Um, God went to great lengths to provide that for us. Um, and so that feeling, uh, that you talk about, that feeling of instability isn't really instability, it's insecurity.
2: Mm.
1: Yes. Um, You've built a lousy foundation and we know it (laughs) and we know that it can't support our being. We know that our spouse can't be everything that we need our spouse to right. be Yes, so we can feel happy so that we can feel content or so that we can feel safe and we know that deep down inside but we don't have anything else around and so we go grasping for whatever yeah. we can. and when you do that especially out of fear that's where idolatry creeps in it begins to look good and safe and all of a sudden you find yourself worshiping something that isn't yeah. a safer at all
0: I think it's really interesting that you brought up the specific instance of Aaron at the foot of Mount Sinai. But I, I'm reading through the Bible to better understand kind of the big story of the Bible right now. And mm-hmm. I'm doing it very quickly so that I can make yeah. connections more quickly because I've done it before, cool. but it's been really slow. Yeah,
1: yeah And yeah. that was
0: one of my main takeaways because you see Aaron, and I can't remember where it was and what book exactly, but he's there at the base of Mount Sinai and he starts to build you know, he takes everybody's gold and all the precious stuff and he melts it down, builds a golden calf. And then just a little bit later, you see Aaron again and here he is with all of his sons and he's in charge of all of kind of the priestly type stuff, Mm -hmm. like meeting with the Lord. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. wow, what Mm -hmm. a grace. Like he, as you're saying this, I'm thinking about how he has perverted his identity to use your language. And how just a couple chapters later he's repented of that and then he's Mm -hmm. like ushering people into the presence of god and -hmm. it's just encouraging because you're like you know we've all done that really self-worship and idolatry like you're saying And, Mm -hmm. and god is just so gracious i think just to restore us and to give us eyes to see himself and so i don't know i'm encouraging anybody who's out there that feels like they have missed the mark here just to look away from yourself and to look to jesus
1: this is the beauty of the reality that identity is something that's bestowed upon us. If it's bestowed upon us, especially by a creator God who loves us, then it doesn't matter what I do. I still am that thing. Yes. No matter what. If he's made me into a hammer, I can't unmake what God has made. Yeah. <laughs> Even if I go off yes. trying to saw wood in half, Yes. God's going to shake his head and go, you know, I, yeah. you know he's going to teach me. He loves me. He's going to... He's going to train and disciple me into the design um, that he's made me to be. He, it's, it's it's very much uh, his grace, mm. uh, not just to save me, but also to um, to do the good works that he has designed for me to do. And so if identity is built upon the things that we do, then, yeah, gosh, I mean, how do you wake up in the morning, especially once you've messed up? But when you understand that the Bible teaches that identity is something that's bestowed, identity is something that God gives, and it's not attached to our activity, man, that gives you so much freedom, if you fall down, if you mess up, to remember, I'm, I'm a handmade creation of the God who created the universe. There's nothing that, can, that should negate identity the fact that that's true I, there's yeah. i can't yes. i can't do that with my behavior and so i can get up and i can continue going and if you want you know if bonus features you're reading through the bible fast you go into the book of leviticus and you watch the process that god takes aaron through he has to sit in a tent for a week and he can't do anything as part of being as his consecration process of becoming high priest yeah how long does it take to become consecrated unto god a huge long time and how long does it take to sin and blow it just like i mean it's so quick but god is faithful he can continue to restore and establish us not because we're so great but because of the blood of jesus
2: oh my god he's, yes.
1: already, he's already paved that road for us so that it's not something that we have to it's not a minefield that we have to walk and just hoping that the next step doesn't uh, doesn't end it for us.
0: Man, all my questions are wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> ah, period. We're done. Oh man. Well, I I'm gonna continue, and you can no, just continue going. to bring it around. I'll just rant. <laughs> you know, one of the questions I asked out on the Journey Women Instagram. About what questions people have about identity and you're hitting it, you're hitting it so hard, so I even hesitate to ask, but mm-hmm. we're all familiar with kind of those biblical passages like the Ephesians 210 verse that you mentioned or yeah, yeah yeah how do we really live those out practically like now we know okay, mm-hmm. we have this foundation like we did nothing to receive mm-hmm. it God gave it to us. But how do we move that from our head to our hearts to our hands to where we're, like, actually living that out?
1: The same way an apple tree produces apples. <laughs> just be. Yeah. How hard does an apple tree have to, to work to produce apples? Oh Yeah. It just does. You know? Uh, how hard does an apple tree have to work to produce oranges? I mean, it would have to work really hard and it still wouldn't produce oranges. I mean, Jesus (laughs) says this. Mm. Good fruit doesn't come from a bad tree. And bad fruit doesn't come from a good tree. Okay, so when identity is something that we believe, when it's something that we have humility with, the issue in the garden was Adam and Eve not having the humility to receive what God gave them. Mm. Instead, they put themselves in a position where um, they became they knew more than god or they they wanted to they were enticed by the fact that they could know what god knows as a result um that separation from god where i'm going to trust my intuition before i ever trust god's word Mm-hmm. That's what sin mm-hmm. is in me Where I am yeah. the judge of what's right and wrong I'm the yes. judge of good and evil and, and even when I read the Bible I'm going to look at that and go I don't really like that very much yeah. That doesn't sound right to me I, even th- That's what sin is Sin at its very core Is me being the judge of everything God, other people, things, life itself When I can't be that I've elevated myself to a position that I ha- have mm-hmm. ignorance, so I have no idea how to to steward that kind of position. But I do it anyway. And so, to answer your question, I think that when we have the humility and say, "God, you know more about life than I do," God, you are the author of everything. I have some strong feelings about the way life should be lived. Mm-hmm but I am going to have humility here. I'm going to have some submission here. I'm going to have some, some trust and I'm going to trust that your way is better than my way. That I think is how you live out these passages in a practical sense. It's not, you got to do this more, you got to work harder. You got to be this more. Yeah. Okay. There are, there is a place for some of those disciplines to help you be in a position to believe, mm-hmm. to be in a position mm-hmm. to trust. There, are, there is a place for behaviors of that sort, but the ultimate goal really needs to be, do I trust that God did his best with me? Do I trust that I, do I believe that he didn't make a mistake? Yeah. That's hard for us. It's that's really what, especially hard. Especially for us that, and especially for a lot of us that have really tough stuff in our life. And that's, there's no way around those things. But if we really do want to live out these passages about identity, they have to be believed first before they can ever be lived out. Okay. So again, identity is not achieve. It's not an achievement. It's bestowed first. It's declared over us by God. We trust him. We believe him, that that's true, even in spite of all the silly things that we've done, even in spite of all of our failures. He still looks at us and says, I love you, that you're my daughter, you are my son, I've created you for these things, that we still believe him. And then, because we believe him, we live that out. That's the quote-unquote practical way Mm. to apply those biblical passages. It's, It's belief and trust not harder work. So as we
0: grow in belief and trust, is that where we see maturity being brought about in us?
1: Absolutely. I think when it comes to immaturities in our identity, I mean, most of that's found in us, again, wanting to define ourselves, to make ourselves unique, to set ourselves apart.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Mature, a mature identity is one that has received and is grateful for who I am, who I be. (laughs) Mm. If it's a declaration that determines being, then I receive that and I am grateful for it. And that is what a mature identity is. An immature identity is still striving and working to try and build, you know? Whereas the mature identity is the one that has believed.
0: And it is so cultural for us to want to strive to build. I mean, Matt, that's like what everybody says. I mean, you start a podcast, you get a starter guide and they tell you, you know, you got to be distinct. You got to set yourself apart, all this different stuff. I mean, that's exactly the message I think that we're receiving in this day and age with social media and all this different stuff. And it's it's just really, really hard to fight against that. It's like you're forcing it. Like you think if you're Mm -hmm. not in a certain place then you're not right, like you're saying.
1: Mm. Yeah. And this is what Paul's saying in Romans twelve. You be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, where we have to not be we have to remember that the world around us is going to distort the gospel. And um even even within our churches and our groups and and you know, parachurch ministries, everything like it's it's so hard to to not be distracted. Um by the world around us. And so much of the New Testament exhorts us um, uh, to be wary of that, to be aware of how um, those things affect um, not just our eyes and our ears, but our hearts. Um, and so we have to be mindful that those things can even affect our identities as well.
0: Yeah. I love that verse that you brought up, the Romans 12 too, And I'm just about being transformed by the renewal of your mind and I know one of the things that you taught me was that that happens in the context of submitting ourselves to the word of God. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I learned from you is that that can also happen in submission to community, to your brothers and sisters around you. Yeah. And I would just love to hear how community plays a role in the development. I don't want to say development now in us understanding our identity, coming to know more of who God is and who we are in light of Him?
1: Sure. No, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, this is a whole other podcast. I mean, that, I mean, that's a whole, there's a whole, I mean, there's a whole lot of things. You need to have a man podcast on that issue, by the way. Um, <laughs> like Four Men, the Journeyman podcast? Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> four men on that issue because it's so, I mean, I was reading an article the other day that, uh, that the greatest threat to men isn't alcoholism, it isn't pornography, it's loneliness,
2: hmm.
1: um, isolation. And it's a, it's a real temptation, yeah. even for Christian men, because when we're separate, sin wants to isolate us. Because when we think that we're the only authority about things, uh, eventually we're going to isolate ourselves from everyone else and think that we're right, or that we're the best, or that we're the most, whatever. And um that's not going to lead you to a right understanding, nor a right stewardship of God's design of you. And so, I think community really helps to confirm, and community helps to reinforce our identity. So, when I say community helps to confirm our identity, if I uh, if I say that I have the spiritual gift of wisdom, um, you know, I'm walking around, you know, trying to tell people. You know, this is, how, this is how God sees things, and this is the, God's perspective on this particular issue. Um, and I, it's not God's perspective, and it's really not wise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the community is going to say, um, I think you should be quiet next time. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's oh, I need that. You yes. know? But a lot of times when people say, you know, I think you should be quiet next time, you're like, how dare you? Yeah. And we, we don't. We don't take the time. We don't have the humility. If we're not going to be humble with God and receiving our identity from him, then why are we going to be humble with brothers and sisters in Christ who come alongside us and say, hey, I think you're, I think you're perverting your identity a little bit or I think you're, you're acting out of line. So I think community can help us confirm our identity either by declaration because I think God can speak through our brothers and sisters in Christ, whether that's a pastor or a teacher or um, you know someone a in your mentor. small a mentor um, where God's declaration of your identity can come through someone in the church, yeah. in the community that you're a part of, that he can speak to you through that brother or sister in Christ. Um, that declaration can come to you that way. Or you may be searching and trying to figure that out, and someone in your community can say, yes, I see that in you 100%. Absolutely. And that can give you the, 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 the confirmation that you need to move forward. But on the same, in the same token, um, it can also help us uh, if we wander away from our identities. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we get off track, if we start acting out of character, um, community comes alongside us and says, hey, that's not walking in line with either your specific design or what a Christian is in general. You're walking out of line of the gospel, which is exactly what Paul does with Peter. Um, and you read about that in, in Galatians chapter 2. Um, so community plays a vital role in confirming, reinforcing, and, uh, encouraging, um, I wouldn't say identity building, I would say, um, just identity and, and, you know, keeping us, um, um, and keeping me from using my hammer for something it was never designed to be used for. It yeah. keeps us from, from, from perversion.
0: Yeah, I, I could be wrong here. Maybe this is prideful of me because I am in the millennial generation, but I feel like our generation is doing a better job of that. I'm not a hundred percent. What do you disagree? Do you agree? Like, confirming? no, I think,
1: no, I, I think m- millennials get a bad rap on, on this, on a number of things. I, I think that millennials, um, are, I would say better or worse. That's kind of hard to say. I think millennials are, are more, uh, interested mm-hmm. in community. Yes. Uh predominantly because of, of what they saw their parents kind of go through um, and the isolation that they experienced as they were growing up. And I think that that's been um, maybe even one of the things that, you know, if they come from a broken home or if they, they didn't really have a, a good, meaningful sense of community um, growing up, they feel much stronger about having deep meaningful, uh, genuine, authentic, real, you know, yeah, all these words yeah. that millennials tend to use when they talk <laughs> about the relationships they're looking for. Um, I think that that's, that's very, um, important to them and it's a, it's a value that they have. And I think that you're seeing that a lot. You see a lot more honesty. I find a lot more honesty coming from millennial, um, or I'd say younger Christians in that regard, uh, because, um, they value that um, more highly. And so I don't think that's private for you to say. I think that's um that's certainly in the ballpark.
0: Yes. Okay. Well one of the immaturities that I see with us is that we kind of are we we desire to know more of okay, what are our giftings? What are our natural bents? What's our Enneagram? What's our personality type? All these different mm-hmm. things. How are we uniquely wired? But then it's almost paralyzing. Like Because we have a good idea of what our spiritual gift is and what our personality type is, I think sometimes we hesitate to move forward with opportunities that don't perfectly align or head in the exact direction that we hope they're heading. So Mm -hmm. I'd love to just hear your encouragement to somebody that feels like they have a good grasp of who they are, but who isn't really like acting out of that.
1: Okay. Okay. So, um, just, just for clarification, I'm, I'm, I'm using the terms identity design. I'll even use the word calling all as synonyms. Okay. Like when I say those words, I'm, I'm meaning kind of the whole package. That's, that's who we are. Okay. Mm -hmm. So just for, just for clarification, I think my identity and my design are also my calling in life. Okay. um, Whatever God has designed me for, or whatever God has designed me to be, that's what I'm supposed to do. And so, design is identity, and then calling is the activity Hmm. that's that's associated with that design form and function. Like like we kind of talked about at the beginning. Yeah. Um, So our identity um, or design or whatever that defines who we are. However, our vocation, what we do for money. General, let's talk about vocations first. That's not—that's only part of who we are. It's not all of who we are. Yeah, identity is what you do. It's what you are, whether you get paid for it or not. Yeah, um, you will—you will always. Let's see. So if you're stuck and you—you you, you have a good sense of who you are, you don't know what to do. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't take a job at something that you don't enjoy. It doesn't mean that you you know, I, you as a, as a mom of young children should know, that's probably not your idea of a, it's not your idea of a good time. You don't have a piece about getting thrown up on every day or, you know, <laughs> you know it's, I don't feel called to this. You know, this isn't, well, it's not designed for that In some ways, but I, it's, it's just that, that sort of thing where there's gonna be so much of our lives that are not.
0: It's just not sexy. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. It's a very way of, very good way of putting it. And I think, you, you know, you're right. I think millennials have a struggle in this area because when things get hard, they kind of tend to yeah. check out or leave or go find something want the else. just stars
0: to, to always be aligning.
1: And that's not life. Um, oh. You know, uh, that's just not the way it goes. I'm, I'm preaching a sermon this Sunday uh, at a friend's church and I, you know, I'm, I'm preaching on James chapter one and... One of my first points in the whole sermon is life is full of difficulty, mm. and that's a great – the difficulties in life are great litmus tests for our faith, not just our faith in God, but even like we were talking about before, our faith that God's design of us is right or that our stewardship of that is right. Another perfect example, I just took a new job. Anybody that's out there that's taken a new job knows the feelings of doubt and going, yeah. uh, What did I just do? (laughs) You know, I walked away from a really awesome job and now here I am in this other job. I'm not sure. Yes. And that's, those feelings are legitimate. They're, they're, they're certainly there. We can't deny them. But at the same time, we have to understand that our identity is something that, that can help regulate those feelings that can transcend them and help us rein them in sometimes. And, Uh, I have a good friend, his name is Tim, and he says, uh, this is one of his sayings that he says all the time, he says, when it comes to your calling, you will always persevere where you're called.
0: Man!
1: You will always persevere where you're called. Meaning, if I am called to do discipleship ministry, and I'm employed at a place that lowers my pay, that there's a boss I don't like where I have there where my job continues to not be pleasing for me mm-hmm. but if that's my calling to a certain degree now there's a boundary there for everybody sure to a certain degree I will persevere through difficulty <laughs> if I'm called if I'm designed for that I'll keep going yes if I'm not pers- if I'm not called to it there's no way I'm going to persevere I will go if I have to go work at McDonald's to provide for my family no offense to any of your readers that work or listeners that work at McDonald's. Right. But if I have to go flip burgers for a living, I will do that and I will do it with gladness, but I will not do it one minute longer than I have to. Or if, if my boss, if my boss gets really up in my face and say, that's fine, I'm going to Burger King, you know, I'll go (laughs) flip burgers over there. um, Because (laughs) just, I, I don't have any, there's no calling that. So I'm not going to persevere there. So I think that if your listeners have a, a, a good sense of their identity, then they need to take steps to move forward in what God's called them to do, even if it doesn't line up with the things that they enjoy. Or the opposite, they need to find ways to exercise their identity outside of their vocation. Yeah. For, let's say, probably 80% of people in the world don't get to have jobs that mm-hmm. are their, it's another millennial word for you, their passion.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: <laughs> I, I'd say 80% of people, uh, in my experience, most people don't like their jobs. Yeah. And what you do for your job is not where your fulfillment is. It's not where you get your your sense of identity. And so your identity should transcend and supersede your job. So it should be something that you do outside of your job. If your job isn't fulfilling your identity, then if it's what you're designed to do, you should be doing that outside of your job anyway. Right. So I I think that if we kind of, rethink again how we how we approach the decisions we make about vocation and go you know a vocation is is a way to earn money provide for my family it's a way for me to exercise my gifts my talents my abilities to god's glory
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, but it's not all of who I am and it's not all of what my identity is i think that really sets us free to take risks and to you know if our identity isn't going to be really fulfilled or or most um, you know, well used in my vocation. Right. That's fine. I'll go, I'll go volunteer in the church. I'll go volunteer at another nonprofit somewhere. I'll put my gifts to use. I'm going to do whatever God says I'm going to do, whether I get paid for it or not.
0: Oh man. I can't believe it's been 55 minutes of us talking about identity. Yeah. We discussed having a part two. So if you guys are interested, maybe Matt will be willing to come back on and talk about it a little bit more because as you can see, It's eight months worth of material, if not more. I am just so fired up over here and really, really encouraged. I hope everybody else is. And I know they would love to hear if you Mm -hmm. have some resources that they can look to beyond this podcast for helping develop slash grow in their understanding Mm -hmm. of who they are.
1: Yeah. So real quick, I think, you know, again, because I believe identity is not something that we build. It's something that we believe, right. that you know, God's given to us. I think one of the best things that you can do is to remind yourself of what those identity statements are. And so, you know, being in the scriptures, you can't beat that. Um, I know there are some podcasts and books out there that are great, but when you read passages um, that says, I have chosen you, you are mine,
2: mm.
1: that's, that's hard to ignore, And maybe, you know, take some time to meditate on some of those statements. That's Isaiah,
0: right? Isaiah? Uh Yeah.
1: uh Um, The next resource I would say is the body of Christ itself. That one of the best ways to, again, confirm and, you know, even realign your identity or, you know, make sure you're understanding it correctly Mm -hmm. is by inviting other people into your life. And the only way that's going to happen is if you take a risk and you trust them, and you get to know them, that you're vulnerable, and you allow them to get to know you, and they're able to speak identity into you, maybe even um, God himself using those people to speak identity into you. I think the body of Christ is an indispensable resource in this regard. So some of your churches have small groups. Some of your churches have you know, men's or women's Bible studies. Getting involved with a group of people that can help you understand those facets of who you are i think is better than any book and it's better than uh, except the bible of course but uh, I, I think it's uh, it's bar none one of the best things that you can do to develop this this part of um your christian life yes and then um the last resource is uh remembering mm. if you could ask yourself this question every day i think it would help you who am i and what am i doing here Mm. If you could give specific answers to those questions that are unique to you or that are specific to the way you understand your design, if you could ask yourselves those two questions, if you remind yourself, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this is who I am. This is why, okay, that's going to really change some of the decisions you make, the way you treat other people. A lot of sons and daughters have had their parents say to them, you know, before they leave the house, remember who you are, remember whose you are. It's the same kind of idea where the process of remembering cannot be overstated when it comes to identity because again it's something that's bestowed if i run off and forget what's been bestowed to me then um, i'm going to pervert it or forget it and that will be that will be a shame
0: now i'm over in the closet crying great (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which not. is perfect no i am i'm I'm crying it's tears of joy which leads me into the next question which is so girly and as i was typing it to you i'm like how can i even ask matt what his three simple <laughs> joys are but i'm gonna do it so what are they
1: well at, at the risk of sounding really masculine here uh, i mean maybe maybe some women can identify with you this had too. to counterbalance a, my question <laughs> a well-placed golf shot hunter have you oh, ever hit any hey, just just you a beautiful
0: golf No way! Yes, absolutely. Straight down the fairway, yeah, right off the tee. You know know what what that feels like? Yeah. Oh, it feels like money in the bank.
1: (laughs) Oh, it makes, it's like, you know what, I'd pay another 50 bucks to do that again.
0: (laughs) The nice, crisp feeling. It's the crispness of the shot.
1: Exactly. exactly. And then you and then you miss the other you know, ten <laughs> shots it takes. Whatever.
2: Yeah. that
1: exactly. one, good one. Uh, That's one of them. I would say my other simple joy is um, a bowl of bluebell ice cream at the end oh, of a long yeah. day. yeah, I could have answered that for you. No, um, you know. You know. Um, and then I just I and maybe this is kind of part of the masculine side of me. I just like the 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 pleasant feeling of exhaustion. That comes from a hard day's work, or a good long run, or
2: yeah, you know, whatever. Like
1: I feel like I've I've worked physically, worked hard. Yes, day. says that. I, I I enjoy that feeling. Um, and then I have a bowl of bluebell ice cream, and <laughs> it goes away <laughs> quickly.
0: Oh, it's so wonderful. Hadley had a bowl for you tonight. She oh. actually ate bluebell ice cream. So good for. Her yes
1: that child upright i love it
0: oh man okay well as we're ending one of the questions that i ask every guest on the journey women podcast as a journey man who has Mm -hmm. had the biggest influence on your journey with jesus
1: oh that's easy uh it's it's uh my mentor in college his name is gordon blocker
0: yes i actually got to meet him
1: yes i remember that i remember that so gordon like i you know I've been to seminary and, you know, all this, like I would trade my seminary career for the two and a half years I had under his mentorship. And, uh, you know, it wasn't perfect. It, w- there was, there were some rocky places in there too, but my goodness, I'm the minister I am today. I mean, a lot of the reasons why I didn't forge and why I devoted myself so much to you guys is really just me, uh, giving back to you guys what he so generously gave me. Um, I can't not do that because, uh, I wouldn't be the man I am. Were it not for him,
0: amazing. Yeah. Now we need to get Gordon on the show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good luck.
0: <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Gordon.
1: This interview, I mean, you need to, if you could, that would be awesome. We let's talk after, maybe we can figure that out. That
0: would be excellent. I would love that so much. Well, Matt, I feel the same exact way. This is so cheesy, but I do about you as you do about Gordon, and I look at my life and I just see the way in which. You know, I've watched you and all of those things permeating so many things that I do. And it's because I'm following you as you follow Jesus. So thank you so much for the influence that you've had on my life. And I really, really, really appreciate you taking time out of your evening to come and talk with our listeners today about the topic of identity. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Well, thank you, Hunter. You're very kind. It's been a pleasure and I wish you guys all the best. Miss you.
0: I agree with Matt that the discipline of remembrance is such a helpful tool when it comes to living out our identity as believers. I think this podcast is going to be another tool for me, and I'll probably listen to it monthly as I continue to learn more of what it looks like to live in light of who I am in Christ. Hey, I just want to take a moment to recognize that today, September 11th, is such a tender day in our history as a country. Know that I am praying for those of you who are impacted by the effects of this day. And to those who serve us, whether in the military or in public service, I just want to say thank you. We are with you in this fight for justice. Thank you so much for listening to the show as always. If you're enjoying it, it would be super helpful if you would leave a review on iTunes. You can find the instructions for doing that along with everything else that Matt and I chatted about in the show notes on my website, www.hunterbelis.com. Hey, we'll see you guys here next week. Thanks again for listening.